Welcome back to the People of the PNW podcast. This is Don Colston, your regional developer, and I'm here with Kelly Rosso, Director of Franchise Development. Hey, Don. Hey, PNW. <laughs> and we have put this podcast together. I think we're into several months now. We put the podcast together to really share all the ideas that we're out there learning and discovering from each of you out in the field. We get the opportunity to go visit different offices and meet different people within the region or work with different people that are sh- are really sharing some of their best practices and processes and we get to share them. So this is what the purpose of the podcast is. It's also a great way to share all of the awesome information we get from local trainings, from express headquarter trainings and different industry trainings that we attend. Definitely. And I love the fact that, you know, you can pop us on during your commutes to work or as you're taking a break and Most of the podcasts are going to be anywhere from a 10 to 12 minutes to, I think the longest one has been like 25 to 30 minutes. So take advantage of your downtime or if you're working out before you go to work or at lunch, take advantage of it and listen to us. Yeah, we'll put in some motivational words for you. (laughs) (laughs) In addition, we'll always have guests from the region or from the development leadership teams that we get a chance that we think would be valuable for you to hear from. So guess what? We have some repeat visitors to the studio today and why they're here. One, they're super convenient because they're right outside my office. (laughs) But two, we've got some longtime people that have worked a long time together. And we wanted to talk a little bit about sales and service in sync, how the outside works with the inside, when to pass it off and when to stay involved and all that. So we're going to have a little discussion and I get the pleasure of having Tobin Miller and my business partner, Elisha Arunga in the house. Hey guys. Hey. Hello. (laughs) Hi, Elijah. Hey, Tobin. How are you? Good. Thanks. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you, Don? I am amazing because I get to see your smiling faces and I just took a picture. So you know what? You're going to see it too in the newsletter. Very nice. Nice. Okay, so how long have you guys been working together? Uh, seven years plus. Yeah. Seven great years. Seven great. Yeah. Elijah feeds my cho- children. Yeah. <laughs> Tobin does the same with mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but they really do have a good connection. And I know we have a lot of people out there that have a similar connection. But uh, like I said, they were right outside the office. And Kelly and I are like, what's our podcast going to be on today? So here we are talking about something that's really important to us and how we keep moving it forward. So, Tobin, as I mentioned, by the way, great job at Sales Rep Rally. Nice job presenting. Thank you. First time. Yeah, it was good. And so, not to sidetrack a little bit, but first time, were you nervous? No. A little bit. Yeah, sure. But I was much less nervous than I thought I was going to be. Yeah, you thought you were going to be pretty nervous. If I had to read a lot, I probably would have been more nervous, but I kind of did more of a picture production and just talked. So, that helped me. I think. And you're passionate about what you're talking about. So talk a little bit just because there's other sales reps out there and staff members that want to get involved in training and presenting. So what are some of the takeaways that they can have from behind the scenes from you? Uh, It just makes you think about things a little bit more. 
things you do on a daily basis and how it, it can help out other people, other offices. Just a lot of the feedback that I got from people that were there and saw it. And afterwards, I thought I didn't do a great job the first time speaking in front of a lot of people. But a lot of people came up to me and said they had some great takeaways. And uh, it's just always good to hear that and good to hear that what we're doing here in Kent is obviously led us to be a gold office and uh, just have a lot of really good best practices. And so just a real good reminder to keep doing what we're doing um, and always find other ways to, to be successful too. Yeah. Thank you for doing it. I know initially you weren't excited about it, but thank you. So Elisha, you, do you like presenting? It depends on what I'm presenting on. Okay. But I do so you're get next, nervous you're speaking next in front of people. <laughs> You're next. You're next up. Hey, bring it on. <laughs> so all you out there that want to present, reach out to me because I always get uh, people asking from headquarters, like who from our region, because we have a great region and we're doing some really good things. So let me know. I've already reached out to many of you and some of you have already presented or done panels. And I think it's great practice for everyone. And we're representing. Okay, so let's get back to the topic at, at hand, and we are winging this with just a discussion, no prep work altogether, because you guys do it every day. So talk about when you get a prospect, maybe before they're even ready to place an order, Tobin, and how do you communicate that to your inside team? Yeah, so to start, uh, it just depends on where we are in the process, so maybe there's a drop-off or an ad chase, and, and you really are waiting to, to get full interest from the client. So you see the buying signs, you might talk pricing with them. They might be open to you sending paperwork and they've given you a timeline on when they can get it back to you. So at that point, uh, when you see any of those things is, is kind of when you take it to the next level and you start to talk to the inside team about it, you will either ha let them have a conversation with the client if you think it's serious or set, setting an appointment at that point to go out and see uh, see the site and, you know, have the recruiter see the site and see where they're going to be filling the job. So that's the time when you bring it to say Elijah and his team or someone else and you have them like look or start searching or what are we, what are we talking about? Yeah. So I, I mean, it depends on the position. A lot of positions I know are in our wheelhouse and if they're not, I would, I would take something to them first before I went to too many steps with a potential new client. So if they are looking for a position that I think is difficult, I will probably go talk to them first, ask them if they think it's realistic. If they do, I'd move along with the client. I oftentimes will connect industrial or admin or whoever it is on the first time I get on the phone with them if I feel like it's serious. So as opposed to having the client tell me, you know, give me the job rundown and then also passing them off to the inside recruiter to talk to them. I feel like that's usually just wasting someone's time. So I'll tell them, hey, I'm going to have you talk to one of our recruiters. They're going to take the information down. And a lot of times I will I'll say, can we set up an appointment to come out on, say, if it's Monday, to come out Wednesday. Before you even get off the phone. Yes. Okay. So set the appointment and then say, one second, go grab somebody that they can talk to you right away. Take a job description. So they have the job description, and then we know we're going out there a couple of days later to, to see it. Or, or you know, hopefully – you go that day or the next day. I mean, it depends on their schedule. The quicker you can get out there, the better. Right, exactly. So, Elijah, when mm -hmm. he's bringing it to you, where are you at with that? So, he brings the job order or the prospect job order to us, and we discuss at that point if it's something we're capable of filling, if it's something we want to fill, and if it is, then we move forward with getting the job description, the proper job description from the client, and scheduling an appointment. 
I also wanted to add that they are opportunities that we come across that we pass on to Tobin, you know, in meeting with an associate or candidates, and we'll pass that on to Tobin. Maybe get a decision maker name and pass it on to him and try to schedule an appointment from Like that. leads in an interview? Yeah. Imagine like that. leads in an interview, I know. <laughs> like and gold. Yeah. How do you make sure he follows up on him? Not, I know Tobin's good at that, but how do you make sure he follows up like on we, them? We talk regularly, and we have a meeting every week going over prospects and current clients. Cool. Yeah. All right. So what happens when, and this happens a lot, we've had it in our office, a lot of offices have that, when someone brings in something that's not in our wheelhouse, what's that discussion look like with your inside team? Like say Tobin has a, I don't even know, because we fill so many types of jobs, what type of job would he bring in that you're like, yeah, we can't do that? If it's low paying, you know, a position that we have not been successful filling in the past, like an underwater diver. (laughs) Under, underwater basket weaver, uh, welding uh, forklift driver that speaks Japanese and and Spanish. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll politely tell him that you know. <laughs> politely. It's not the best use of our resources. Yeah. How yeah. polite is he with that? Uh, we try. We try. <laughs> I I think on a serious note, what he was mentioning first, though, low pain. Heavy lifting needs drug and background testing. Those are the types of positions that we're not going to give a whole lot of uh, effort into. Um, if the you know it's not just we're not taking the job just to take the job, it has to make sense for for us to fill. Right. So if we're going to be putting out a ton of resources for a position that we think is impossible to fill because the client's paying so low, and then all the demands they have that come with the job then that's usually a time that we would be honest with the client and let them know we, we just can't do this at, at the pay. Right. If you'd like to pay this, and this would be your bill rate, then we'd be happy to work on it for you. Yeah. So That's true. Tobin's been great at that and educating our clients on what the market you know can support right now. You know, you're not going to get the greatest people if you're not willing to pay a decent wage for them. But the flip side to that is... Tobin does know our inventory, so if we have more entry-level people, he can go out and sell an entry-level position that may not be too challenging to fill if we have the candidates that can do the work. So he knows our inventory. How does he know that? Is it through your communication? Is he looking it up on his own? I mean, obviously, he's got years of experience to know that, but for all the people that have maybe newer sales reps, how do they know the inventory? It's based on conversations that we have. If we have a lot of, not entry level, but a lot of, you know, semi-skilled positions Mm -hmm. and a lot of candidates that are semi-skilled, we will pass that on to Tobin and he will go out and sell our associates or market them out to different clients. Right. And we're we're really lucky that we have another sales rep here that you're doing it two times and doubling the effort, which is great. Yeah. We do that with Kathy as well, who's pretty awesome. Um, We meet with her, discuss what opportunities our candidates are looking for, and she can go out armed with that knowledge and let clients or prospects know what's realistic, what we can turn out for them. Yeah, that's great. So at what point, once it's passed off to you, how do we re-engage 
Tobin or the sales rep in the future? How do you re-engage them so that they're staying involved in it? Or is that something you just let him handle on his own? Like, where's the relationship? Because obviously it's transferred to the inside at that point. Our goal for sales reps is to keep them out selling and keep them out selling prospects. I think we can get hung up on, on already selling and double selling and triple selling, which is great and important to current clients. But at what point do you do it and at what point do, does Tobin do it or the outside sales rep? It is nice to have Tobin reach out to them, you know, maybe for a quality check call, make sure that, you know, the inside team is treating them well and getting them the right people. It also is good to have Tobin reach out to them if we're somewhat struggling with the position to get more clarity that we may not have received from the client or the prospect, sorry, the client at that time. It really depends on the client and the type of position we have to get our outside sales reps, both Tobin and Kathy, talking to the client. We utilize both Tobin and Kathy if we're not able to get swift responses from the client. Like if, if they're, they're just holding on to interviews or candidates, yeah. that they're not making a decision. Or not giving feedback on why they're letting people go. Oh, good. Um, we'll utilize them to kind of sift or dig a little deeper to find out where we're missing the ball. Good. Yeah. All right, Tobin, how do we make sure that we, I know you're, you've shifted your role and you're focused a lot on retention and, and billing clients over and over again. How do we make sure that you're, you know, we're staying on top of our missing client list? Yeah, so just keeping an eye on, on the missing clients, uh, discussing them at the weekly meetings that Elijah mentioned, and then just conversations throughout the day. Uh, places that I think might be good to MPC to. I, I post every week a list of our missing clients, and we have a Thursday morning meeting uh, where we meet, and every division has to discuss uh, their missing clients and what they've done uh, in the last week to follow up with them. Oftentimes, we have returners coming back, which is awesome. Uh, but that's been a really great way for us to just keep an eye on missing clients. I go back to the beginning of this year. It's a you know, we build quite a few people. So with projects and everything, the, the list can kind of add up and I don't want it to get too overwhelming for people. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really good way. And Thursday morning meetings have been a, a good meeting to just discuss our numbers in general and then just go over missing clients and try to, you know, try to interact, find a way that we can interact with them a little bit more, do some more NPCs or maybe potentially a sales call or a drop off to places that have been missing for, you know, a couple of months or more. Do you put uh, calls in other people's planners? I have before, yeah, or I, or I will. But, I mean, the goal is for, you know, to have one staffing consultant, you know, assigned at least to have a call with each of our clients. And then what I, I tell this to salespeople as well, I think the inside team can do the same thing. Always make a future call for every documentation that you put in there. And then when you're ready to make another documentation, go and find that call and then make a future call off of that. Bingo. That's what we want. 100% future calls scheduled. It's a time saver. It's a huge time saver. If, you, if you're not putting future calls in there, every time you're going in to document something new, it's taking two to three times as long to do. And this is coming straight from the mouth of someone who pushes back on everything we say. So thank you for reiterating <laughs> I'm that. In, I'm an innovator. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for stressing that. All right. Anything to add on you know the relationship? What about Elisha, when you're not agreeing on pricing that maybe the sales rep came up with, does that ever happen? It does. It does. Um, Prove it. We, <laughs> we have a conversation and 
and hash it out. Uh, we're not going to agree on everything, but if it makes sense for us as a business and allows us to achieve our long-term goals, we will decide. And it's a team effort. Uh, it's not just myself. It'll be Tobin, Kathy, myself, and the team talking it over and figuring out if it's something we are capable of doing. Mm -hmm. I like how you involve the recruiting specialists as well, because they're the ones that are talking to all the candidates. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Good. Yeah, for me, just with what I'm doing now, my new position and in, in having a second sales rep in the office, and she's mostly the one that's out making the 100 sales calls per week, it's allowed me the opportunity to really just set pricing with a lot of clients and, and hold strong on them. Um, what, what I like to do and what I think is the best practice that we share is we price at 65 or 70 percent every single time and then we make an adjustment depending on what the client says I, it's been a, something we've implemented over the last three years and it's amazing how many people just agree to the first price that you send them so you know if you get some feeling like they're going to give some pushback and you price at 50 percent and they say okay you may have left something on the table so um, trying to work with the inside team not only on that, if something new comes in, but also readjusting pricing for missing clients that may have been gone for three to six months. Uh, there's been changes in, in minimum wage every year for the last however many years, and now it's going up this next year as well. So uh, upping pricing when new, new orders come in and then starting at 65 or 70, 70% and then coming down from there only if the client asks for it. Right. right. That is true. And, you know, we seldom get pushback when we ask to increase the wages for our associates. So it's something that we are trying to do more and more often, and it works, and it helps us get better client, better candidates out to the clients. Yeah, a different pool of candidates for sure. Yeah. All right, great advice, great tools and tips that you're providing. Any final thoughts? Final thought for me would just be to try to try to go see every new client. You'll, you'll, your success rate will be much higher if the sales rep and the, and the staffing consultants go out to the actual site and do a tour visit. Sometimes clients are really busy and it might be a straightforward job and you might need to just get the ball rolling and get somebody out there. Mm -hmm. But to, to make it successful in the long run, I would say to, to get out there at some point if, if that's the case. So if you can't get out there before you fill a job, get out there you know within a week or two of, of after filling the job. Right. Yeah, I agree. And you know communicate with your sales rep. If you don't have good open communication, it's really hard to be successful. Or if your sales rep does not know what you're capable of doing, they're not going to bring you opportunities that you can fill. Yeah, yeah. true that. Yep. So one of the challenges, I wanted to add one more thing on here, and this is for you, Tobin. Um, Elijah, being an owner, he knows the importance of this. But one of the challenges, sometimes as a new sales rep, and you were the same way, you, it's all about getting that paperwork signed and turned in. And then it's like a new client. Can you talk to that? Because I think sometimes we push the paperwork so much that we don't actually close a deal. As a newer sales rep, the express way is to get as many new clients as possible. So sometimes you may be pushing something, you know, extremely fast or trying to get it through just to get the new client. You don't care what the pay is. You don't care what the bill rate is, any of that stuff. Again, it's just over time, you learn, and I know that we had a, a big uh, client push last year and hit a big number, and then now this year we're trying to take all those clients that we brought in but get good bill rates as well. So our push is to have choo-choo. The train <laughs> is going by. <laughs> so our, we just have a different push this year to get more people to work. 
And so um, trying to get more quality clients. So, so when do you instigate the or you introduce the paperwork? It's just buying signs for me. If I if I feel like they're serious and I feel like I can I can feel those buying signs through the phone or or in person. Um, first conversation that I have with someone. So if they're eager to get someone in, if they agree to pricing right away, if I have a good understanding of what the job is, if they talk to a staffing consultant, then I'm getting the paperwork over to them right away. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I know you, you get all the paperwork in of all the new clients or we don't count them. Sometimes we're dragging it in, but yeah, I just feel like there's definitely a difference that I've seen in like some of the newer sales reps and some of the more experienced ones out there, like Caitlin or Melissa or something that it's not about, it's not getting a new client when you get the paperwork in, it's actually closing the deal. Exactly. And and I would not recommend personally to get paperwork unless they're ready to give you a job order. I, I feel like you're just kind of spinning your wheels or wasting time. And, and I have seen sales reps that get frustrated and they say, I, I, I can't get paperwork back from anyone, but they don't, they don't actually have a job order. So they're spending all this time trying to get paperwork for non-realistic job orders when they could be spending that time selling, trying to get actual clients that are giving them a job order, then passing along the paperwork and, and closing new clients. So Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. You guys are proven successful, long timers that have worked well together over the years, and it's valuable to hear some some tips from you. So hopefully you got some good takeaways here. Um, all those people listening. All right, everyone, we're out. Thank you. All right. See you. Thanks, Don. Bye-bye. <laughs>